0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: Buying an apartment building might seem a little intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. Like anything, you just need to study the topic before you dive in. And you can speed up the process by using a mentor. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. In today's episode, you'll hear from Brad Sumrock, who ditched his job, found a mentor, and started investing in multifamily apartment complexes about 20 years ago. Today, Brad and his wife, Jen, earned seven figures combined from their real estate holdings and their real estate coaching business. And Brad is here with us today on The Real Wealth Show. Uh, so Brad, welcome. It's so good to see you.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm excited to be here this evening.
1: So, you know, the world is changing dramatically at Real Wealth. Our focus is more on one to four units. You've been a multifamily investor right now. I'm pretty jealous about that because you guys have had a good run. (laughs) The last two years have been phenomenal. Um, So let's let's just kind of start with who you are and uh, when you got started investing and why this is three questions. I'm loading you up and why you have chosen uh, multifamily as your asset class
0: yeah so like first of all, I'll just say, like I'm living this dream come true, right? like <clears throat> I've been doing apartments for twenty one years, and never in my wildest dreams that I think I would be an apartment investor um and you know how it all started was if I could just take a step back to before I started investing, you know I didn't come from money, <clears throat> I would say I was lower middle class um You know, next pretty close to being poor—not broke, but like pretty not well off by by any standard. Neither of my parents graduated from college, and so they impressed upon me how important it was to study hard, get good grades, go to college, get a degree, get a job. And, And so that's what I did. You know, I got a degree. I became an engineer because my dad worked for an engineer, and I remember. When I was growing up, my dad used to, my mom used to tell me how my dad's boss made 80000 a year as an engineer, and they would go to vacations in Hawaii. Now, I grew up in Pittsburgh. My family, on the other hand, would go to vacation in Lake Erie from Pittsburgh, <laughs> 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 and and my dad and my mom would say things like, you know, your father only makes 42,000 a year. And she's she would say this in front of my dad as he was driving our family to to Lake Erie. So <laughs> you know, my 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 mom, they just, she just wanted me to have a great life, you know, and they didn't know about real estate and investing and entrepreneurial and even the stock market or they didn't know about this whole other world. And so that's what I did. I went to college, got a job. Uh, I went to more college and, and got a better job. That was a master's degree and got a better job, eight, six figures. Um, but I got fired once uh, in my early, and that was a wake-up call. And then I got laid off a few years later, and that was my second wake-up call. So I knew I needed to do something different, but I didn't know what to do. And so I, I actually, I don't even know if you, you know this, Kathy, because we've known each other for years Different events and stuff like that. actually it started for my law school, uh, the LSAT. And then in the year 2000, the Rich Dad Poor Dad book came out and I read that book and that book totally changed my life because mm. um, I had never known those options existed, you know. Yeah. And then I read the next book and, and and learned about ESBI, employee, self-employed, business owner and investor. And so I got rid of the law school preparation and went to, I I sought out real estate education. I went to real estate seminars Mm. and I was so skeptical because I was educated. I was like, you know, I I got two degrees and I was smart, like book smart, but like business stupid, you know, (laughs) and, um, but that's how I got started. And then why apartments was because, you know, Robert Kiyosaki in his book says you need to have investment income that covers your job income and then you could get out of the rat race. In fact, they created this whole movement of like the cash flow game, right? You know what I'm talking about, where yeah. you play the cash I flow can. game and to get out of the rat race. And so my income was 10,000 a month. And you know, Kathy, I don't know what you you were doing 20 years ago. You're probably doing single family or teaching people single family and and one to four units. But like what I learned at the time was a a single family home would cash flow at maybe two to three hundred dollars a month. And I needed ten thousand. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, I need to have all these houses. And And so, you know, I went to a seminar and I got a mentor. And and I know that I, you know, it's no secret that I mentor other people and I'm not being self-promotional, but like having a mentor and investing in my own education was critical
1: mm-hmm.
0: because my first investment property was 32 units. And, and, you know, my mentor told me, he said, buy the biggest uh, property you can with the money you have. And at the time, he was not syndicating, so I didn't know anything about syndications, and that's a whole second part of my story.
1: But well, let me let me stop you there, because because how yeah. do you how do you get a mentor? People ask me that all the time. Like, how how do you get a mentor? I mean, it's did you just hire this guy, or did somebody who just liked you and saw your potential? I mean, how does that work?
0: Well, it could be all those different ways. Like, mm-hmm. like in that case, I went to a seminar, and they offered a formal. Mentoring program, and I. By the way, when I went to the seminar, this was back in two thousand one. It was five hundred bucks, and everybody. I was an engineer at work, and everyone at work on Monday, or you know, Friday before the seminar, they were like, "Oh, have fun this weekend. How you know? Hope you like that seminar. You know." They were kind of making fun of me, And, (laughs) and and on Sunday they offered the the mentorship program, and I'll never forget. You know this was twenty years ago, it was ten thousand bucks, and I you know what 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 would that be in today's dollars? I don't know you know thirty grand or forty grand or whatever, but I bought it and and the thing is, I didn't want to be sold, but at the end of the day, I wanted to work with the guy, and he just said, "Hey, here's how I work you know i don't I don't uh do lunch and dinner and I don't do brain picking sessions and so I bought it, and I was yeah. so embarrassed I didn't tell I went back to work Monday, I did not tell. Soul. Not How much tell
1: did you spend?
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell. It was ten grand. Oh, it was ten grand. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's a chunk, a change. But uh, it, I think it's. I think you've made that money back.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, like, so within eight months, I bought my first deal. It was thirty-two units. Yeah. And and then I bought my second deal eight months after that. So within sixteen months, I had sixty-two units. And then what happened is the people at my office started paying attention because they would go to lunch and I would look at deals. They would go to happy hour and I would look at deals. And so what I found is that the people that are willing to do that extra effort little by little, mm-hmm. you know, the consistent effort over time, instead of going to happy hour, I'm on, on, underwriting deals. On the weekends, they're going to the lake and I was driving by deals. And, um, yeah. But what started happening is over time, I started, you know, separating myself from the people in, in the engineering world. And within a couple of years, I had 62 doors and, and I was able to quit my job. And that's that's how I did it. But you also asked, like, how, you know, there's other ways to get a mentor, too. Like there are people that have formal programs and there's people sometimes you just get somebody to take you under their wing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's more rare. You know, most people who have achieved can't take on that many free mentorships. Right. I mean, mine was a co-sponsor on my show and, uh, you know, I learned from him and we became friends. But uh, but, you know, multifamily is a lot more complicated than what we teach. You know, understanding a pro forma for single family is uh, probably anyone could figure that out. Uh, multi-family is a little more complicated there's so much more i want to ask you and i i uh you know there's so many things Uh, but first how did you get the money for that first building
0: did you save it yeah so like you know i was a late bloomer so anybody listening that's in their 30s or 40s or 50s it's never too late to start um Mm -hmm. you know i worked in corporate america from the time I was twenty-two until all the time I was thirty-five is when I read that book and went to my first seminar. So I had thirteen years of working mainly as an engineer and then sales. I got into account management and sales, made six figures for the you know, the second part of those 13 years. So I was able to save money. And, you know, that's one thing I learned from my parents is the way to financial freedom was to save. Now, I don't believe that anymore. But, you know, so basically in my 20s and early 30s, I was living below, doing all the things they tell you, right? Live below your means. You know, if you don't have like all the middle class paradigms that Kiyosaki teaches, don't go into debt, live below your means. You know, save 10, 20% of your paycheck Invest in your 401k and your IRA. I did all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And so,
0: um, and so I was able to buy my first deal and I'll never forget it. I bought it when I was 35 years old and it was $976,000. I put a, I put 194,000 down and got a seven hundred seven hundred $776,000 loan. That was my first deal. That must've been a scary was, day. <laughs> the problem was now you're out of money right yeah now you're mm-hmm. out of money and now how you do your second deal that's where you got to learn how to syndicate or you just stop mm-hmm.
1: yeah or you improve it somehow and um you know refi get the money out do it again okay so fast forwarding because there's a lot in between i i think rich and i met you oh i don't know seven years ago or something uh and you were, you know, boy, was the timing good. It was hard to know, but you must have known something, but you went all in. Um, you have been now sharing stages with the man who changed your life with Robert Kiyosaki. You're kind of a regular, uh, at his events or, you know, at the same events. What was that like the first time you met him? And then when you were speaking on the same stage,
0: well, speaking honestly, of, was, Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> I mean, I was starstruck, you know, it's funny because like. I mean, Kathy, you know how it is. Like you, you influence a lot of people and I'm sure a lot of people come up to you and say, Oh, Kathy, I want to thank you and Rich for changing my life. And I get that because we, we, we make a big impact, but you know, Robert's book changed my life, never met him in person, never been to one of his seminars. And then, you know, we started buying apartments and then my wife and I created an education program. So like, his books changed my life in the year 2000, and then it's like 2016, 2017 timeframe, and I meet Robert Kiyosaki at a Real Estate Guys event. You know, our, our mutual friends at the Real Estate Guys, and I was starstruck. Like I didn't know what to say. <laughs> like I, I was just like one of those people that are like, oh, Robert you changed my life. No, oh, I want to thank you and he was just like, "Well, yeah, whatever." You know. And, <laughs> He's and, over it. And um but uh you know, so the learning there by the way, and now I, you know, I'm around like Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, is you just got to be like a cool regular dude that they want to hang out with because if, <laughs> because if you're not, they ain't going to want to talk to you, you know. And, you can um, you
1: got to let the, you got to hide the starstruckness.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but I can tell you that, you know, Robert's been on my stage twice. Um, you know, I have a cell number. Um, we're acquaintances. I, 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 I'd like to say we're friends, but, you know, friends could be an overused term. But, like, he knows me. I've called him. I've made introductions. But, like, I don't, like, call him every day, you know, and hang out. But it's, like, it, it, it is pretty cool that, that, you know, we've come full circle.
1: Yeah, and every time i um kind of checking out your Facebook, you are doing something incredible. It's really like you and Jenner just live in the dream. It, it's incredible, the places you've traveled. Uh, is your Is your mom still around to see how far you've come?
0: No, my mom passed in, in 2015. <clears throat> and it's interesting because my mom wanted me to be an engineer so bad, and I became an engineer. And then she was so proud of me when I got an MBA. And then I got into real estate and she was like, you don't even need a degree to do real estate. And, and so when I went from an engineer to a salesperson, I made more money, but in my mom's eyes, I was, I downgraded myself. And then when I went from sales to real estate in her eyes, because, you know, you know, you know, you could do real estate with a GED, right? I downgraded myself and, I don't think she ever really knew what I did, you know, because mm-hmm. at the, the last from 2012 to 2015, she had, well, I I don't know if it was Alzheimer's or dementia. And, I, I, you know, maybe I don't fully understand the difference, but she suffered from memory um, loss or accessing her memory. And so um, I don't really know if I did, but this is a whole story. But she knows what I do now because I had a unique experience and I believe that she knows what I do now.
1: Oh, oh, how cool. I can't wait to hear about that
0: sometime. <laughs> well, the short story, if you want to know, is I was I at did. a mastermind. I was at a mastermind with Tony Robbins and he brought in a spiritual medium, which I thought was total BS. And next thing you know, the guy's telling me unique, specific things about my mom, like right now. And it wasn't stuff that like you can make up like, oh, your palm is, you know, like these palm raiders in Hong Kong and stuff like that. Like it was really, it was really weird to the point. And so I'm just saying like I believe that my mom knows what I'm doing now.
1: Okay. Now you're making me wanna I've never been to a Tony Robbins event, so maybe I need to do the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so for our audience. Um, Let's get into the nuts and bolts because that I could go on to the spiritual side of things all day. Um, We're just going to go completely to the other end of like detail (laughs) and strategic uh, stuff. So what I mean, what would you say is the big difference in learning that people need to have when it comes to multifamily versus single family? Because full transparency uh multifamily still scares me a little bit. I've done two really big deals. They were hard. Uh, we had problems with them. And uh so what, you know, what do what are the basic differences and the most important things people need to understand about a bigger asset like that?
0: Well, this is a so I think it's a paradigm shift. Because my first deal was 32 units. My second deal was 30. My third was 250. I had over a 1,000 doors as a syndicator. And then I went and did one single family home. And I thought it was hard doing a single family home. Because I had to put the ads in the... We it, I was in Houston, Texas. We had a publication called The Green Sheet. I don't, I don't know what you have in California, but this was back in... 2011 2012 i'm putting the ad i'm writing the ads i'm answering the phone when people call the ads i'm going to meet the prospective tenant to show them the house and they don't show up and then they and then they move in and they don't pay the rent and i'm going to court and then they move out and i'm walking the unit I'm meeting the maintenance guy or the handyman and having to hold the keys. See, in an apartment building, you don't do any of that. The The management company does the leasing, they oversee the website. You know, they put the ad on apartments.com, they hold the keys, they collect the rent, they go to court, they oversee the asset, they walk the vacants, they oversee the make ready, they oversee the renovation. And I can do all this from anywhere. So I have, well, you know, I guess it just depends on like your perspective, because when I've had that one single family home, I. You know, and you might ask, well, why did you buy a single family home? And that's another story, too. But like to <laughs> me, that to me, Kathy, that was hard.
1: Yeah, that makes it. I mean, you can have a great property manager for however many units you have, but, um, I, I, see your point. I mean, self-managing is that is not something I'd want to do either. Uh, but okay. So then you've got the, um, understanding the debt, debt service ratios, um, just understanding the commercial lending. Uh, what do people need to know about that? And especially today?
0: Yeah. So like right now, and what are we, September 19th, twenty two. The, you know, the, there, there was a time where the experts would say, you need to have dry powder because there's going to be a day in the time where real estate's on sale. And right now, apartments are on sale. There's a deal that one of my mentees was looking at in April for $28 million. He got it under contract for $23 million. But the challenge is the lenders aren't loaning 80% anymore. They're loaning, you know, 60%, 65%. And the interest rates aren't three and a half. They're five and a half. Mm -hmm. So look, you know, Tony Robbins says this. 80% of success in anything is is psychology or what we would call mindset. And I know it sounds hokey. It, It really does. But the people that believe that they have, that they don't need to work on their mindset are the people that need to work on their mindset the most. And so, yes, you need to know all these things. But like the first deal I did in 2002, the interest rate was 6.375% on that $774,000 loan. And they're still below that now. So, you know, now that like earlier this year, Kathy, the rents were going up, interest rates were 3.5%. And there was so much what I call stupid money chasing deals. Yeah. That, you know, my students complained like, man, it's so competitive. It's free offer from the deal. How yeah. am I going to win this deal? I got to overpay. Well, now it's the opposite. Now it's like brokers are calling me to make an offer on the deal. Yeah. But, but now, the lenders are less. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you know, you, you could always find a reason not to do something. So, like i will just tell you, like, at the end of the day ga- at the end of the day, the cash flow right now is lower than it was six months ago. It is. you could you could buy the deal for twenty eight million at three and a half percent with an eighty percent loan, and you'll cash flow higher than if you bought it for twenty three million. But at a 65 percent loan at five and a half percent, your cash flow will actually be higher if you paid the 28 with the better debt. But now we're getting into the better basis. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done, Kathy, and you, you probably know this, but I don't do commercial. I do apartments like I don't build. I buy. I buy B and C class buildings, maybe sometimes A. But I don't do mobile homes. I don't do commercial. I like when I say commercial. The only commercial I do is market rate apartments. And I don't even do student housing. I don't develop apartments. I buy existing properties. But what I found is that if I'm willing to pivot strategies, how I underwrite deals, the, the expected returns and the type of returns, is it cash flow? Is it upside potential? Is it value add? Is it appreciation And I look for all of those. But like right now, the cash flows are going to be a little lower than they mm-hmm. were before. But your basis, meaning like you can buy it now cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over time, the prices go up and they recover. So, like, I believe the financial markets are going to be, you know, that's February, it's September 19th. The Fed's going to raise rates again tomorrow, 75 or 100 basis points. My guess is almost even 100. I was thinking 75, but based on everything I'm seeing now, I'm gonna bet that it's, it's gonna be gonna
1: 100.
0: Be a, yeah, I'm gonna bet it's gonna be 100. Yeah, and then they're gonna raise them again in November and again in December. And yeah. And the, and the debt markets hate not knowing what rules to play by, but once once they stop raising rates, they're gonna know what rules to play by, and things are gonna calm down. And by then, it, I don't want to say it's gonna be too late because like. People, people somehow think like, oh, I'm going to time the market. But, but by the time you time the market and then, jip, and then get in, people like me that are already in, we already have the relationships. We already have the equity. We already have the track record. We're going to get the deals. So what I tell my most experienced students to the newbies, to the people that never heard me before that might be like listening to this show, is if you if you want to be in apartments you got to get started because because there's always a pivot that you can make with your underwriting, your strategies, your your debt. Um, but that's what people need to know right now is that is the loans are going to be at a higher rate and a lower LTV and you need to raise more money but you could buy deals at a discount. Does that does that make sense what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. I mean, what if you had your preference, would you rather pay more with a lower interest rate or pay less with a higher interest rate?
0: Well, I've been doing both. So like I (laughs) like like since July, just so you know, since July, I bought 1600 units and I syndicate deals now. So I don't I don't want to be, you know, just to be transparent. I don't own all 1600 of these units, but I'm a GP and I have a you know, I put in I, I put in money in every one of my deals. But my ownership interest is is above and beyond my equity investment. And that's what it means to be a GP, a general partner in a deal. But I, I've I've been, I've done 1,600 units, $186 million just since July. Um, and none of these deals are going to cash flow really well right now because the debt's so low and the rate's so high. But we're buying at a discount, like the basis of what we're buying the deals at is lower than it's been in, in, in quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. But then last year I was buying deals and you could say I was paying top dollar, but they were all cash flowing better because the debt was better. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're you're willing to adjust your, you know, last year I was getting better cash flow and tax advantages and less upside. And now I'm going to get a lot more upside on my deal tax advantages, but less cash flow. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk cap rate, because this is still something after all these years that confuses me a little bit. I'm just being kind of transparent and I do want to take your course so I understand it better. (laughs) So, you know, we underwrite a lot of things and and, you know, you're making assumptions. People are making assumptions about the exit cap. Um, How do you how do they make those assumptions? You know, how do you possibly know what that exit cap is going to be?
0: Yeah, so I'll tell you how I do it. And it's been pretty it's been a pretty good way to go. So, an ex, like a, an exit cap rate, is where you expect the cap rate to be when you're going to exit the deal. And so, what I try to do is I try to look at like, well, well, what's a kind of a historical rate? Like, for example, let me just give you, a, a, and I'm I'm better at, at using examples. So, like. Before interest rates started skyrocketing, say, the first quarter of 2022, believe it or not, people were buying, you know, C plus deals, class C plus deals. And that might be another question. Well, what's C plus versus B versus A? Mm-hmm. And people were buying like 1980s construction deals in, you know. Income levels in the 45 to 50,000 range. So that might be a C plus deal in Dallas, which is not the same as California, but in Dallas or in Tampa. And they were buying these deals at like a four cap, like a four cap. That's what they were buying. Mm -hmm. But that was way below the historical. Right. And so, like, we might buy deals at a four cap based on actuals, but we would underwrite an uh, exit cap five years from now at like five and a half, five point seven five, 5.75. Because, you know, historically a 1980s property that has that demographic is not a four cap, okay? Right. okay. It could be a little higher. Mm-hmm. And, and ironically, the one thing I think that's going to save a lot of my students is that now, you know, back then they were like, Brad, your underwriting's too conservative. You know, the market's a four cap. We should be exiting, you know, our underwriting should show a four cap exit or maybe a four and a quarter. It's conservative. It's 25 bps higher than it is right now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Now is at an all time low. Let's keep that reverse rate, which is your exit five years from now, closer to half, six percent. Okay. guess what? Now that the interest rates are going up, people were saying, oh, the cap rates have gone up to five percent, five and a quarter. Those same students that were complaining to me that I was too conservative now, like, oh, thank God I listened to you, Brad, because I underwrote my deals at a five point seven five cap rate. And I bought it at a four, but now cap rates are five and I'm still in the money, you know, an acquisition cap based on what's at the market now, the reversion cap rate. I'm always going to be a lot more conservative and have that exit cap rate be higher than now. I don't want to say always. I mean, there could be a time where, you know, the market's really soft and maybe you're buying at a seven cap rate. Maybe I would underwrite it to be a little bit lower, you know. So so the bottom line is like what I've been doing and the methodology that I've been using is when I look at underwriting, I look at historical numbers like, you know, there were last year rents were going up 20 20- percent in some markets but what, what you do i underwrite that is on you know, acquisition for the first 12 to 24 months i would do what's called mark to market so i would mark the rents up to the market so i might i might give myself that 20 percent rent bump the first 12 to 24 months of ownership but after i get that initial yeah. rent bump i'm doing two to three percent a year and i know other people that were not doing that they were Being more aggressive, and they were showing five, six percent rent growth. They were marking it up to market, but then showing five, six percent a year because they were thinking, Well, but that's insane because rents historically don't ever go up five to six percent annually over the long term. They go up like two percent, and that's still market driven. Like, there are some markets where rents aren't going up at all. So you got to know what's going on in that market by getting access to market data and there's a lot of sources where you could get market data for a fee and you could buy market data for different parts of the country through like CoStar, Yardi, or RealPage and you know some of these data sources that that, that that's what they do is they gather that data and they provide historical and actual you know rent growths, expense growths, cap rates, sales comps. And so you got to be a student of the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when you look at historical cap rates, is there a time frame that you like to use? I mean, obviously, pre-COVID would be helpful because we know that was just a lot of insanity over the last couple of years and unusual dips and highs. Um, So when you are looking historical, are you saying the last 10 years, last 20 years average? Are you picking like 2015? I mean, how do you think?
0: The last years, because This is just my opinion. But when I got into the business, you know, 1970s assets were, you know, a C-class deal was a 1970s asset. Well, that was when I got into it 20 years ago. Now it might be a 1980s asset. Right. Um, But a typical C-class deal. I remember when I got in in the year 2001, like it was seven and a half, eight percent cap rate. I don't know if it's ever going to go back to that. Like, I don't know if it's ever going to go back to that. Like, I personally don't think it'll ever go back to that. I think there's what 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 causes a decrease in cap rate is an increase in demand. And I think that there's so many reasons why people are more tuned into investing in multifamily now. And it's and I could be totally wrong, Kathy, but it's like I use an analogy of my dad. And the analogy that I tell in my seminars is my dad thinks that, you know, when he was young, bread used to cost a quarter a loaf. and But it's like, I'm like, dad, it's never going to be a quarter again. <laughs> like It's never going to go. It's never going to. You're never going to be able to buy a C-class deal for 30000 a door. And here's why. The rents were 400 a month back then, and now they're 1100 a month. So it's never going to be 30000 a door again. It's just not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that thirty like that deal that I bought in two thousand two, that thirty-two unit deal, the rents were four fifty a month and I paid thirty thousand a door and my interest rate on my loan was six point three seven five percent. Today the rents are twelve hundred a month, you'd pay a hundred thousand a door. And up until three months ago, the the interest rate would have been three and a half percent. Now it's five and a half percent. But if you look at the rent, the interest rate, the debt you'd probably get a return that's very similar to what you would have gotten 20 years ago, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Because, so yeah, that, I think that's what, I, I, you need to repeat that because you know, we're seeing that too. And those of us who have been doing this for a little while, I look at some of the stuff we're buying today and we're helping real wealth investors buy and I kind of look at it and go, this is weird it's not that different than when I started because rents have gone up and yeah. So that's kind of essentially what you're saying is somebody who comes into multifamily today, or just, let's just say investing today, you think they could possibly get a similar type of return that you got when you started?
0: I mean, it, it, yes, possibly. I mean, it, but like, you know, just, just to, repeat what i said if you think it like and, and and let me just say it a different way too because see you're in single you're you're an expert in one to four units and remember when you asked me and you said apartments seem hard and i told you well single family seem hard to me right <laughs> a lot of it is what it is that you're you call it mindset call it your comfort zone call it your you know what what it is that you do versus you know, are you an insider or an outsider? There's three or four different ways that I described it, right? So to me, I've had people on the perimeter of multifamily. Like I remember in 2016, they were like, Brad, I said, want to get started now, but don't you think it's the top of the market? Don't you think you need to wait until the market crashes? And I'm sitting there, it's 22 now. And some of these people are like, Brad, I feel like such an idiot because I didn't do anything for the last six years.
1: I'm one of them. <laughs> but,
0: but, but you've been doing stuff in your zone, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, like you're, if, I'm assuming you're buying one to four units like like hotcakes, right? And you probably always find a way to make those deals work because, because you're an insider and I'm the same way in multifamily. So like that, that first deal I bought with 30000 a door, Rents for four fifty a month. I put twenty percent down, and my loan was six point three seven five percent. So somebody with a cash flow calculator could probably say, okay, well, four fifty a month times thirty two units times twelve. That's the income. You take a ten percent vacancy factor. Oh, expenses were probably three thousand dollars per unit per year. Which they're now probably five or six thousand because taxes went up, insurance went up, you know, inflation, this was 20 years ago, you know, payroll, I mean, everything goes up over time. But the rents have also gone up from 450 to 1100. So the income is exponentially, you know, not exponentially, but it's the income is 3x higher. The expenses are not 3x higher. The income is 3x higher. The expenses are 2x higher. So overall, the NOI is higher now than it was before. You know, the price per unit is higher now than it was before. The debt, even now with the latest rates, the debt is still lower right now as of September 19th than it was 20 years ago The, the in terms of the cost of borrowing. So the returns might be around the same. I mean, I could need to pencil it out that the returns would still be pretty good. Yeah, even if yeah, paying well, $100,000 a door.
1: That's very comforting. I want to see if there's any questions. I don't see any right now, but if anybody wants to put any questions in, do so. Uh, all right. So I I just want to say that I'm, uh, I had called you and said, Brad, uh, I want to learn multifamily <laughs> because I waited a long time. I'm one of those people that waited too long because I, I need a mindset shift on that. And then you were sweet enough to say, well, why don't you come out to my event? And if you're coming out, why don't you speak? <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the economy or whatever else we talk about. But if you will just kind of uh, give a little bit of information on your upcoming event in Dallas. Yeah,
0: so this is, this is um, and it's right around the corner. So the dates are September 30th, October 1st, and October 2nd. Uh, the location is Dallas. Dallas is easy to get to from anywhere. You know, you fly into DFW Airport or Love Field, um, and it's a multi-speaker event. And and I'll be speaking a lot. Um, I can't help myself, Kathy. I'm a teacher at heart. Um, but I'll have nine different speakers, and you're one of them. And I know you're going to speak about markets. Um, but we're going to have Ed Milet, who's like one of the best-known entrepreneurs of the world. And a lot of people don't know about Ed, but he actually got his – Entrepreneurial start in real estate and made millions of dollars in commercial real estate, and and he's actually owned some apartment buildings. Um, He's a great teacher, is here, and he's you know uh, an accomplished business owner, and he's also married to Sarah Blakely, who started Spanx, and she's a billionaire. So like you know, Jesse's essentially a billionaire um, himself um Tom Wilwright and I yeah, I know that you know Tom but Tom is the rich dad advisor uh to uh for Kiyosaki and the whole rich dad network and he's also my and my wife Jen's uh CPA as well and does our tax returns um and he's going to be digesting the so-called inflation reduction act um oh, that we <laughs> um yeah so we have a lot of great speakers and I would love for you to
1: Um, I'll just put it in the show notes well Brad it's uh, been really fun to have you here let me just check and see if there's any questions nope okay good well I I look forward to seeing you there I I will say Rich does have a man crush on on Ed Milet so I wish he was coming with me (laughs) I'll get to I'll get to meet him so um, wonderful I really look forward to seeing you soon and learning and uh, again I'll make sure that people know how to find out more about this event in the show notes um, here and where are you listen to podcasts all right well have a great evening doing something fun and give your beautiful wife a hug for me i can't wait to see her
0: awesome great to see you and
1: thank you for joining me here on the real Well show if you want to get in touch with brad visit BradSumrock.com and check out his events page i'll be speaking at his upcoming event a natcon on september 30th in dallas you can get the details in the show notes and i hope to see you there